Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Steph Hahn, founder and CEO of Cadence. Now, I think everyone listening to this podcast has run into this exact scenario before. Right, you're going on a trip, you know, a weekend trip, a vacation, you're packing your bag with all the clothes that you need, and then you get to the hygiene products, right? The toothpaste, the conditioners, the shampoos. You can't bring these on flights. So what ends up happening is one of twofold, right? We either jam our Q-tips and all these things into a Ziploc bag, or when we get to the destination, we buy these small containers, we use them once, and then we throw them away. And this issue compounds. If you think about it, there's millions of people that go on weekend vacations and they buy these single-use plastics in these containers and they throw them away. And Cadence solves this with their first product, the capsule. The capsule is this beautiful portable container that you can put all of those things into, whether it's a lotion or your earrings or a supplement. You can use the capsule everywhere you go, whether it's in your day-to-day or your weekend getaways. So instead of you using those single-use plastics, you put them in your capsule. And Steph's story is nothing short of inspiring. In the episode, we'll talk about what it took to bring Cadence from concept to conception, designing over 200 prototypes to land on the now available capsule product, raising over $400,000 as a first-time and solo founder, and what the future might look like for Cadence. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation with Steph Hahn, founder and CEO of Cadence. Steph, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Steph, I'd love to start <laughs> with the basics. What is Cadence? Basically, um, it's the next generation way to bring your hair, face, body products with you from gym to work to partner's place. Uh, to wherever your weekend may take you. So we just launched and our first product is the capsule. It is a container that you buy and fill with your products and it is made with recycled ocean bound plastic. It is equipped with magnets, which connect together to create a space saving compact honeycomb suite that you fill with your daily routine. I think it's important to provide a little bit of context because for the listeners who haven't seen the product yet, if you go to keepyourcadence.com, you'll see it. It is beautifully manufactured, but without understanding the why, we're only telling half the story. So Steph, what is the core problem area that the capsule addresses specifically? Yeah, so there are two core problem areas. The first being that consumers... You know, we're living in an ever-moving society. And the problem is that people are trying to bring the products that empower them on the move, whether that be shampoo to the gym, moisturizer to a partner's place. But the way we are currently bringing our products are in single-use travel-sized bottles we're buying from CVS or Sephora or cheaply made refillable bottles that are often made of silicone and not recyclable. So there's a huge environmental problem here, but also there's the problem that these literally leak and explode. So you're ruining your bag, you're ruining your experience and your day. Um, And so that is what we are combating. We are creating the first, to answer the sustainability question, reusable container made from recycled materials, but also creating a joyous experience for the consumer, something that they can trust 
and not have to worry about. I mean, and just to put it in practical matters too, I mean, everyone listening has gone on a trip before, and I feel comfortable saying this, where they've taken, <laughs> you know, a bundle of Q-tips or uh, Band-Aids. I mean, whatever your kind of bite-sized accessory is and put it inside of a plastic bag. And if you think about yeah. it, if you multiply the number of trips you've gone on and the number of bags you've used that you just keep for a couple days and then toss them. I mean, the costs to the planet are significant, especially when you look at the scale. Everyone is doing this. So Cadence, in my opinion, has solved that by integrating really seamlessly into how we move and how we interact in our day-to-day lives. So Steph, what's really interesting is while Cadence today is, has manifested in this beautiful product, your professional history is really <laughs> non-traditional. If I'm looking at your LinkedIn and the experience just before Cadence was in kind of the realm of entertainment and film. So let's rewind a second. Can you talk me through the days before Cadence and then what that initial eureka moment was? Yeah, absolutely. So before Cadence, I would say, yes, it's the untraditional Silicon Valley experience. I was the head creative editor for a international film tour. It was an adventure film tour, basically the biggest rock climbing film series that would, you know, premiere all over the world. And my background beyond that is one that focused on like consumer behavior psychology and the study of movement through dance and choreography. So quite untraditional, but it's pretty clear to me why this has been actually such a positive and a big support in creating and starting Cadence. I mean, Cadence, our three core pillars are design, individuality, and sustainability. And in terms of the design, you know, movement should be intuitive and the way we move impacts the way we feel. And this is a core value of ours. And so my previous study of movement made it very clear to me how our product design needed to go. I mean, why do we have bottles that have right angles and edges in them? Why isn't the bottom curved? You know, why doesn't the cap stick to the side of the container? Because every time you put it on the counter, you have to pick it up and then you fear that it's dirty or you drop it. So there are small things that add up to impact our emotions. And so it is definitely lent to that. And it's easier to make large strategic decisions because you understand that everything needs to back into the overall goal of the company, even if it's something you really like or a project you're passionate about. And in terms of the Eureka moment, I would say there was one, but it was a buildup. So I, as a consumer, I'm someone who just spends and has spent a lot of time curating a routine that is just unique to me. I know what makes me feel strong, what makes me feel good. And so I always felt like these were products that made me feel special, that made me feel great at home. But anytime I would bring my shampoo, personal care products outside of home, that is when I would feel like a bad lady. I would feel clunky. Products would leak, which makes no one feel great. And I was always having to create these janky solutions that involved lots of plastic. And so the eureka moment was when I was on a camping trip and I was in the campground bathroom with my giant plastic bag of products and hundreds of little bottles and I was feeling very high maintenance and self-conscious about the fact that I had this giant bag taking up so much sink space and two other people came into the room and I noticed they also had their giant 
wasteful bags of product. And so I just started talking to them. It's an idea I had been thinking about and it became very clear to me after that conversation that this is A, a problem many people have, but also the bigger takeaway was that the problem was bigger than travel. The problem was movement. So internally, we like to say it's movement, not travel. And so that is the, that is the origin story of Cadence. That was three years ago, and it feels like a lifetime ago. So at Cadence, how do you think about, A, actually kickstarting a community? And where do you manage it? Is this a Facebook group? Is this Instagram? I mean, talk me through your strategy around community building. Two things came to mind when you say that, Peter. So first is authenticity. I mean, we have a group of amazing um, ambassadors we connect with across many communities, but we're not telling them how to use Cadence. We never ask them to do a certain thing with Cadence capsules. We say, we're just really excited to have you excited. Please use this the way that it fits into your life and then share, share with us. So we curate communities based on authentic individuals who are actually excited and we just want them to be themselves. And so that is really key for us. And the way we connect with them is we want their input. I mean, these are people who are doing amazing things in the world. So we have a community Slack channel where all of the people who, whether it is ambassadors, but also kind of people who have grown with us over the years and have had input, we want that going forward. And so we have that all um, curating on a Slack channel. So let us know what you love. Let us know what you think could be better in the future. I mean, that's why Cadence exists is because we've paused and talked to people who are willing to lend their time and we've listened. And so that is, I would say, the number one piece of advice I would give to anyone is just pause and listen. Wow. Yeah, I'm blinking on the exact founder and brand that talked a lot about community building, but I know that it was, it was a brand that was building some type of fashion for like an inclusive fashion brand. And she talked about managing the community in a Facebook group. And Mm. um, now over the years, it's completely transformed from something that is about, Hey, you know, which of these SKUs do y'all like best to I've now gone on vacations with the people in this community, because for the first time ever, I feel like I belong. So I could see how something like that could manifest with cadence in a number of different ways. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and I think that that speaks to the power of community, of course, but also, you know, this concept that we are all, I mean, obviously cadence, but many other amazing businesses are pushing forward on is, you know, we are all individuals you know, the angle for us is, you know, just because you use products does not make you high maintenance. If you are a badass rock climber, if you're a surfer, if you're someone at work who wants to touch it before a meeting, I mean, we are just moving through our own lives. Um, And this community and the ability to talk about this as the group I've noticed has brought out so much because these are things people don't talk about, um, but we want to create that conversation. And within the community and also where, you know, the people who appreciate those communities can hear, listen, and absorb. So if we transition to some of the other core functions of, of Cadence, and it 
speaks to telling the story and reaching potential customers. And what I'd love to better understand is now that you're in your early days, to what extent are you thinking about uh, paid marketing channels versus other non-paid or organic channels? How are you thinking about allocation of dollars in these early stages? And where are you really prioritizing those investments? Great thing to ask. So, you know, obviously paid marketing is something, you know, my directive marketing would have a lot to say about, but it is low on our totem pole of priorities because as I mentioned, community connecting with individuals comes first and foremost to us. And so really being in person, we do a lot of like, we've been focusing on in-person experiences, collaborating with sustainable and just smart brands that we admire, that all comes first because this allows us to have interaction, one-to-one interaction with our consumers and our community. And that is first and foremost, our priority. And then obviously, you know, digital spend is important, but there's so much testing to be had. I mean, we're a week out from launch, so I'm excited to, you know, obviously, you know, in a month, in a quarter, really understand more. Um, But there's just a lot of testing we're doing at this time, but most of our focus is towards our humans and our people and our cadence family. If we shift focus a little bit to the roadmap and because there's, as, as you've positioned the brand, there's really so many different pathways you can explore and new offerings you guys can launch. So in the next year, in the next two years, what does that roadmap look like for you? And what types of products can we see coming out of the cadence portfolio? I can kind of tell you that our consumers have habits that they've built over a lifetime. And so Cadence is all about fitting into the consumer's habits. So we're not asking the consumer to change the you know same cleanser they've been using for years that works amazing on their specific skin. We're telling you that you can bring that with you with Cadence. And, you know, it's very, it's a new philosophy and one that I've had a lot of conversation about, but we really believe that this is the way to make the largest impact um, from a sustainability perspective is by embracing all individuals and telling them that we have a solution for them. We're not trying to change you and move forward. And so everything in terms of our Um, roadmap is based off of that. And so we are eliminating a ton of single-use travel size plastic on top of the refillable plastic and the plastic bags. But, you know, we're always innovating and pushing for more to be better. And so in the future, what we see as Cadence is a place where you walk into and it is a Sephora, but there's just no single-use plastic. It is basically a soft serve for personal care and wellness where you can go and interact with all of the brands that you love and use our products to take that with you. Help us step into your shoes as early stage founder. The relationship that piqued my interest is actual vested interest from your production partner. And my question for you is, to what extent should other consumer brands that are or aspiring founders that are uh, considering launching their own products be exploring relationships of that nature what's your yes you should or eh, you should avoid it recommendations for these people hmm. i mean right now i can speak to the amazing experience that i've had i definitely would have been different had i not 
known that this was a very legitimate and fantastic manufacturing facility. My engineer worked for them for a number of years. But if that assurance can be attained, I would obviously recommend any other founders to you know, ask if, if they don't have an immediate connection to ask that manufacturing facility or third party if they have other brands that they've worked with who they can talk to and find peace in that. But it's been amazing. I mean, we are constantly innovating. Our product is extremely difficult to make. I mean, when I went, when I started Cadence, I went through about 10 engineers because everyone told me it was not possible um, to make something that is reusable, universal, so all you can put any product in it, sustainable, so made with recycled material, durable, and to have magnets in it so that everything is intuitive while all looking nice. So finding the right engineer and then finding the right manufacturing facility to make something difficult um, is absolutely imperative for us. We always know we're getting quality assurance. For example, before we launched, we got some product and it had a small little mark on it. Nothing big, totally could have sold it, but obviously we have incredibly high standards here. So we told our manufacturing facility, we need to tweak this, this isn't okay. They sent us a new batch of product within 24 hours. I mean, I don't honestly know anyone else who's a lead time that is that short. And people who actually care on the other side. I mean, I recently flew out to Bozeman, Montana, brought tote bags, got to meet the people who are actually on the floor of the manufacturing facility. If you go onto our website, you'll actually see we do this whole user testing experience where we try and destroy the capsule. It's indestructible. But I mean, we see the faces and we understand who these you know, people are. We get to say hi and it's just so lovely. It's what we want to do as a brand, and it's definitely aligned because they want to make the best product, and we want the best product. And while we're on the topic of production, what I'd like to do is just demystify what those early prototyping stages look like. So for the founder who has this vision of grandeur, wants to bring this idea to life, to what extent do you need a individual or engineering partner versus going to a manufacturing partner, like a full-on facility, to help you take you through bringing the prototype to life. Why does someone like yourself need both? And to what extent can a new founder work with only one versus the other? Hmm. Yeah, that's most people. Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that. I've had a lot of even advisors in the past way earlier on before we even got into manufacturing say, why did you hire an engineer? Why was that your first hire? You just have to go right to the manufacturer. That's how things are done. And I just knew that, I mean, we're a design focused startup. We need someone who can obviously do product design with me and then obviously design for manufacturing. We could never I can honestly say that we would never have launched when we did had we not had Graham, our engineer. It, is, it was absolutely imperative. I can only speak to the type of manufacturing we're doing, which is injection molding. And the product, I mean, our product was just very difficult to make because it needed to be well-made and it needed to be beautiful, among many other things. And so having an engineer who has your interests 100% aligned and also can be there on the floor communicating with the team. I mean, it's usually things don't go wrong because people don't care. It's just, they don't understand. They don't understand your brand as well. So having an engineer who's there, you know, who 100% understands our goals, where things need to be, who I trust was absolutely 
um, necessary. I would say for other founders, I mean, it depends on the type of product you're making, but having someone internally who can explain the logistics is, is just so necessary and it will speed, speed things up. Wow. So Steph, what I, what I want to do over the next couple questions is get a sense for the moonshot here for Cadence. So if and when the stars align, what is the moonshot for Cadence? Can Cadence be a really compelling climate solution at large? Yeah, definitely. Well, we like to say we're breaking up with travel size, travel size bottles. I mean, you go into any store that sells personal care products and you see these little bottles and they're super cute, but they're toxic. I mean, 290 million of them end up on beaches and in landfills each and every year. And on top of that, obviously the refillable containers we've touched on earlier, I mean, they are refillable, but they're not well-made. So they're practically single use. They have an incredibly short lifespan and then they're not recyclable. So our heads down focus is to provide consumers a solution in which they do not and never again need to buy travel size travel size bottles that are cheaply made that are in cadence. And then on top of that, the fact that our capsules are magnetic means you don't need a plastic bag to keep it together because that they're going to stay together and you know that they're leak proof. So you don't need to have this plan B alternative where you shove all of your bottles into because when you bring it on an airplane, it's going to explode and leak. So in terms of the climate solution, I mean, first of all, we're preventing more travel size from ending up when I mean, we have a long way to go. But we're also a big thing for us is the fact that we are working with a company Envision Plastics, that we are buying plastic from them. And it is plastic that is collected from beaches all over the world. And we are using that in our capsule. And we are also doing, and in our manufacturing process, using regrind. So right now, our capsule is using 50% recycled um, material. It is not where we want to be in the future in two years from now, two years from now, we want to be using 100% recycled material. But when I tell you that this is not possible at this point in time, I am truly serious. I mean, we have spent hours, we have spent hundreds of hours talking to everyone from NFL helmet experts and material experts to some of the most widely known plastic experts in the industry. And what we basically found is that no one is making post-consumer plastic that is able to be widely used by brands because it only comes in like black and blue, which obviously is not the way forward. And so our future is that we are going to have products that are made from 100% recycled material and also begin to dip our toes into making this material possible um, for other startups. I mean, I remember when I started, I mean, I kid you not, Peter, I was sitting on my other job, like probably at like 9 p.m., um, and just beating my head against the wall, confused why no one was writing me back. Why could I not find someone who is willing to sell me recycled ocean bound plastic or recycled ocean plastic? I mean, it is so hard to find and it should be so easy to find because there's no reason we should be making products out of virgin material anymore. I mean, it is the future to make, out of, make products out of recycled material and we, we want to lead that cause and we also want to be pushing against the portable personal care industry and saying this isn't okay anymore and really creating that conversation among consumers wow and what's interesting too in in many ways this is like a this is a request for startups it's an rfp and there's it's it's testament there's 
so much opportunity for people to take on different parts of the problem stack. Everything from, like you just said, making post-consumer recycled or recycled plastic more widely accessible with larger varieties so that it can enable other brands that want to explore opportunities. You know, it gives them the opportunity to do so. What I want to do now that we're kind of looking at the future and I, I, I want to give uh, you an opportunity to highlight some of the other peer companies. They could be really early in their first year, it could be a couple of years in, but who are the other founders or what other startups are you seeing that are really interesting to you that are either taking on climate explicitly in an interesting way or inadvertently taking it on? But what's, what are some of the more ex- interesting projects you've seen with your peer founders and companies? I'm super interested, obviously, in a company called Caraway. Jordan Nathan is a founder friend of mine, and he just launched his um, cookware brand. They basically have created the first series that is highly designed. It has this amazing intuitive storage system that I've never seen before. And on top of that, most importantly, it's a non-toxic cookware company. So cookware without the chemicals, I believe, is their logo and their, their catchphrase. So, I mean, that's amazing to me. Obviously, high quality, well-designed, intuitive, and you know, non-toxic. In terms of the sustainability space, I mean, I can name you a million companies that I'm super passionate about, most of which I'm sure that you are also passionate about. But I mean, I'm really interested in companies that are solving the big problems. So, I mean, my team and I were just talking about the team in obviously San Francisco who's working to create a solution to the, ima- to the immense amount of waste that we're generating through the um, takeout industry. And obviously, we as a team are constantly trying to reduce our um, impact. And so this was a conversation we had the other day. And so the big problems are the exciting ones. I mean, it's working and seeing dreamers doing what they do is incredible. So Steph, the last question before we part ways, and it's one of my favorite questions. Who has had the greatest impact on your learning and why? Such a tough question, Peter. (laughs) My group of advisors have completely shifted the way that I've thought. I mean, I could name you books that have impacted me as well. You know, I big, Mm -hmm. big podcast person, you know, so... Feel free to shout those out as well. I'm, I'm super interested. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, you know, if we can listen to people who have been through before, I'm sure that at least 1% of mistakes would be made. Energy would be saved. So, I mean, obviously, I love your podcast, podcasts that are, you know, how I built this, how to think like a CEO, entrepreneur, but then, of course, just amazing advisors that I've had who have shifted the way that I'm that I am thinking, you know, okay, like decisions are hard to make. You're making thousands of decisions a day is what someone once said to me. And then they said, but how does that decision impact where you want to be in five years? And, and backing into that and thinking about everything as a milestone has definitely impacted the way my brain works, honestly. And so it is the numerous advisors who have given me nuggets of advice and other founders over the years who have made the biggest difference for me. I mean, it's like getting an MBA, but you don't have to sit in school. The stakes are higher, but you have, you know, private tutors who are the best in the game. And that's truly what I feel, what I feel like. So it's those amazing people around me who I have to thank. Wow. And last but not least, Steph, what are you most looking forward to 
in 2020. Also, can I mention one other thing, Peter? I do have to say that I am a currently an entrepreneur. I mean, in the past have, you know, commuted, you know, an hour and a half into work, lived at my parents. I've done the whole, done the whole thing. So obviously, thanks to the friends and family um, who have allowed me to live rent-free um, and pursue the uh, ramen noodle life. Um, but in terms of 2020, um, I'm excited to talk to you a, a year from now and see where we'll be, but we're excited to make a difference and to continue to innovate and just work with amazing people. I mean, I love what I do. So I'm just super grateful. Wow. Steph, um, are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, announcements that you'd like to leave with our listeners? The floor is yours. <laughs> I would say to any other founders, I mean, I've, been someone who's listened to so many podcasts as I mentioned and what I've always found or, or, or gone to talks and what I've always found frustrating is like people don't get into the nitty-gritty because it's not possible to make a uh, multiple hour-long uh, podcast of course but obviously like if anyone has any questions to please reach out our my email is steph s-t-p-h h-o-n at keepyourcadence.com I mean honestly please reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions. And for anyone who's interested in working for Cadence, collaborating, obviously just shoot us an email. We're super open, always love hearing from people. So just just reach out and know you're always, always supported and reaching out to strangers is the best way forward. Steph Hahn, founder and CEO of Cadence. <laughs> Steph, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course, I loved your questions. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. Also, if you have any recommendations about a founder or a company that you'd like to see on the show, let us know. Message us on social at In Good Hands. Also, special shout out to Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, and Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Peter A. Levin. And that's it. Looking forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.